0: We really cheesed this one We fucked up 2021 America's most seditious podcast The pod people Really uh Really stepped in it this time
1: I'm freaky wolf daddy, Matisse Fanro. No shit, that was exactly mine. That was verbatim. Verbatim. I was gonna say I'm the freaky wolf dad inside, or I was gonna unleash the freaky wolf dad inside. How how did you do that? Oh my god. Well, well today we are truly all
0: freaky wolf daddy. Yeah. Totally.
1: I'm, I'm fine sharing this one. Good. Wow. Isn't that that yeah, that like my brain shut down and had to reboot when you said that? Like that wild. Yeah, I, I just had the same one I'm twenty twenties
2: greatest horror villain uh coronavirus no yikes <laughs> wait no i'm ben sheets actually thank god <laughs> and cleveland
0: don't it's me about, hi don't i'm cleveland about Cleve. yeah um, also freaky wolf, also wolf dad fre- apparently also freaky wolf dad yep yeah well uh 2021 we fucked it up so let's go back to 2020 a good year um <laughs> Of a year that I look upon fondly with rose colored glasses that that good good year we're we're revisiting it already <laughs> <laughs> uh Ben is back after our little uh filler episode that we did last week. We are um going to as promised be uh covering the three films that Ben picked. Uh, to wrap up our uh, 2020 catch-up. So let's just jump right in. We got three movies to talk
2: about. I want to mention that when I picked these, I tried to pick something stylish, something more serious, and then something meme and fun. What is this, a wedding anniversary? And, <laughs> and it ended up being three kind of funny, weird movies. Yeah, I don't think there were any real serious ones here. No,
0: no, uh, definitely not. We'll we'll talk more
1: about that when we get into the Wolf of Snow Hollow. But before we get into any, I do have some cool industry news. Tell us, Universal is putting seven of its classic monster films up on YouTube for free this month. Like, Ooh. just I'm pretty Which sure, ones? like for entirety. So I've got the list here. Uh, they're doing it by debut. The first one is uh, uh, as of recording tomorrow. Uh, so it's going to come out on the 15th. Uh, for viewer, uh, listeners, I think you'll have already. That'll
0: already be out. Um, the actually, time all time three of these will be.
1: Because um, it's just in sequential days. So tomorrow they're putting out uh, uh, 1931 Dracula and 1932 Mummy. And then after that, they're doing on the 16th, uh, Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. And then after that, on the 17th, they're putting out The Invisible Man, The Wolf Man, and Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein.
0: Wow. So all what those are going to be available
1: for free, um, uh, likely in high quality on YouTube uh, for free. So. Uh, are they going to be for free? They are going to be for free. How great is that? So, um, that's pretty free. I'm, I'm hyped as shit. Excited. I'm going to watch all of them. Uh, I might save some for the podcast, I think. Uh, but uh, hell yeah, I'm super hype about that. That's that's going to be great. Uh, yeah, go and watch them because well, yeah, all those class, movies are delightful.
0: horror fans uh, rejoice. You mm-hmm. can get those for free. For free. On YouTube. <laughs> uh, but all right, let's jump into our first movie, which is Freaky. Uh, Which was directed by Christopher Landon Who is the writer and director One of the writers uh, and directors Of uh, both Happy Death Day movies uh, See your episodes on that One of the bad Paranormal Activity movies But uh, most most importantly
1: Happy Death Day 1 and 2 Both of which we I think all adore Yeah Yeah. God I love love those movies Liked
0: those quite a bit Happy Death Day is great Uh, The film stars Vince Vaughn Catherine Newton Celeste O'Connor and uh, Misha Oshirovich. And as the title kind of hints, it's basically Freaky Friday, uh, but the horror version, a girl wakes up in the body of a serial killer, and he wakes up in her body. Um, So the movie's a lot of um, Vince Vaughn, running around acting like a teenage girl, which was actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it yeah. pretty fun.
2: It seems like Christopher Landon is just taking different high concepts and turning them into horror movies like Groundhog's Day and then Freaky, Freaky Friday. Friday. and What's next, really? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Caddyshack. <laughs> Caddyshack. <laughs> Killer Gopher,
0: Killer <laughs> Gopher on the yeah, it's like Tremors but on a golf course. <laughs> I'd watch
1: the shit out of that. I would too. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. That whole era of of goofy films there 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 are a bunch to pick. I'm um, I'm trying to think. The second Happy Death Day already had like some really strong Back, Back to, to, the to the Future, future. energy, yeah, but yeah. I'd love to see more of that because that's probably like my favorite of what he, like of feelings he's encapsulated. Yeah, he, he, you can do this for the till the end of time, or, or try new it'll things. It'll be
2: like big where a
1: killer goes into a child's body, though that's kind of close to this one. That's true. Pretty much. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd prefer straying away from that. I think they, they did it well enough, and they, they covered all of the ground that they could reasonably without getting into uncomfortable territory. Uh, thank God. I, I think that well, there were they, <laughs> There are a couple of things that verge into uncomfortable territory. Just by concept, it's a little uncomfortable.
0: Well, I mean, I'll, I'll get more into that later, uh, but I think conceptually it's a fun idea, and And they get pretty much all of the mileage they can out of the concept. I don't think there's a whole lot to it. It's got the same kind of uh, tone as Happy Death Day. Um, Very tongue-in-cheek, very campy.
1: I think there's one differing factor, and that is uh, there's an R rating on this one.
2: Oh, yeah. And that's worth
1: noting. The, The tone... To Still its, very to its benefit, similar, I, but, I think. Yeah. Actually, oh, I fully agree because
0: uh, some of the kills are gruesome. Uh, are Ugh, gruesome so and also really creative. Yeah, and well done. I wish they, well I wish they had milked that a little bit more because I feel like in the first scene we get so many of like the really great kills and then i don't know if that necessarily carries over it's, to the rest of the movie like i wanted it to the
1: kills sort of bookend the film you you get them mm. at the beginning and then at the end there's there's a few nice ones uh again
2: well you get the awesome shopkeeper one yes the shop that's teacher true. one in the middle too where when she it just gets cut in <laughs> <the> half
0: saws <sauce laughs> of in half with the table saw uh um, oh yeah that's right
1: yeah, there's there's there great kills throughout the, the film. Uh,
0: hard to beat the the first
1: kill though, which is the uh, shoving the bottle down the dude. Oh yeah, neck. I mean that's uh, that like that's entering like top of all time kills. Like it's it, it, not the highest on the list, but it's up there. That mm-hmm. ruled. Like that that is such a great kill. Like cramming a bottle down someone's throat and then breaking the bottle whoa that's intense and, and showing creative. it and
0: showing it too because mm-hmm. like you said the r rating they can get away with that um i yeah that that's a that's a, a really high bar just the way the film starts in general with like your typical teens at a at a at somebody's house getting drunk and banging you know just like something like friday the 13th and they're talking about the urban legend of the butcher or something
1: whatever they call the serial killer well, which um, is i think it's really fun that the kills and some of the other like elements of this film also pay homage to Friday the 13th because freaky Friday, the 13th, right? It, 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 it's essentially a mashup between the two. And that that's awesome. Like, uh, yeah, yeah what, well, the the,
0: the, the swap haps happens on Friday, the 13th. Like it starts with big cartoon, bloody letters being like Wednesday, the 11th, and then Thursday, the 12th, I'm sure like Friday, the 13th, and she wakes up and, And she's in the she's in Vince Vaughn's body.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if this film was originally like or at least like on when they were workshopping it or called Freaky Friday Friday the the 13th. 13th. I I wouldn't be I would not be surprised if that was the original title and they couldn't have gotten and they somebody was they weren't able to get away with it. Somebody
0: was high and they said Freaky Friday the 13th and the entire premise of this film was constructed around it, which is
1: only praise in my eyes. Like, uh, that's great. Now. I I am a little concerned with, like, this director, like, continuing to do mashup films. I would also just like to see them, like, do their own thing.
0: Uh, I don't know. He
1: did write,
0: and I don't know if he directed, but he did write, uh, like I said, one of the bad
1: paranormal activities. That's not their own thing, either. That's still part of a chain (sighs) franchise, and...
0: Yeah, it was the first one to split away from, like, the family that that is, like, followed in the first three movies. So, like, it was kind of going off and doing its own thing. It was trying to be more, like, young and hip and, like, internet savvy. My, and it's not, it's not a good one.
1: My perspective on it, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not good, I haven't seen it, is, is that, like, considering that the, the director was probably younger at that time, has done a lot of learning since. Has done a great deal of learning since, yeah. and also there's considering like how large those films are. There's probably a lot of studio interference as well. Like for sure, so it's it's hard to say based on that. But I would I would well, like to see them go off. And
0: that try. being said, I mean Paranormal Activity is a Blumhouse uh, vehicle, and so was this. This is also a Blumhouse mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. So I don't know necessarily how much I would blame on studio interference. Well, the but... thing
2: is between this or movie executive oversight. and Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day, do mm-hmm. you? They really have kind of a John Hughesian type of youthful, fun vibe to them, and even if he doesn't do these high-concept genre mashups, I kind of want him to stay in that lane because I think he does it really well. Um, arguably, I think some of the best, you know, out there in terms of kind of yeah. youthful energy. I agree, and I think that there's sort of a like lot of room
1: for that beyond horror. New as school,
2: well. new school teen
0: slashers, kind
2: of,
1: yeah, in mm.
0: in a way that hasn't that sort of like modernizes that subgenre. Yeah, I mean, do what you're good at. As as long as it doesn't get old, like I don't have a problem with him continuing to do these kinds of movies. That being said, I do think that this is a bit of a step down from Happy Death Day. Yes. Especially the second Happy Death Day. The first one, I still think it's a bit of a step down, but it, it's closer. Um, I just don't think there's quite as much mileage to be gained from the concept. It's like a serial killer and a high school girl swap bodies. How? Well, like,
1: he's also competing with what he's already done right. as well, or at least uh, like conceptually he can't use as many of the same things here. He can't use as many of the same tricks again. He can't repeat himself with this film. Yeah. So uh, between those two things, like it's limited. What I will say is I don't think this, this film ever wears out. It's welcome. Like, cause as much as we talk about, like he covered all the ground, I don't think he covered all the ground in too much. Like he covered all the ground cleanly and then, no. and it ends there. I, I don't think it's like they, they wore it out or, you know, went yeah. past or anything else like that. it's very, In that sense, it's very cleanly just they did it all. Yeah, I think
2: also... (laughs) Which is great. You know, Happy Death Day has such a charismatic lead girl. Yes. And in this movie, the lead girl is kind of a void of charisma. And it's funny because, you know, when Vince Vaughn plays the girl... He is super bubbly and he's fantastic in this role. I think he's kind of the star of the show. Yeah, I he, might believe Vince Vaughn as yeah. a girl
1: more more than her, like or as a character. Yeah, yeah is, well, like, and
2: he gives such a good performance, but I just see it and I'm like that's not the same girl that we that saw we earlier saw. No. in the movie.
1: To be clear, to I didn't know until the opening credits that Vince Vaughn was in this movie and I'm generally not a huge fan of Vince Vaughn. I don't I don't really have any strong feelings about like anything he's been in. I don't really enjoy him as an actor or look forward to seeing him in films. I usually associate him with like Ben Stiller and other other like kind of washed out comedians. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, which I haven't even seen. So, like, it's. I was actually kind of bummed out when I when I saw that credit and it was immediately turned back around. He does a great job. No, he's he good. does a great he's, job. He a fantastic job.
2: He's kind of having a late career resurgence between, you know, true detective and, you know, dragged across concrete and all these different, That's right. I more serious about roles that, yeah. you know, he's. he's Getting to a point where he's being a little more respected. I I
0: don't think he's a bad actor. I don't think he's ever been a bad actor. I just think that, much like the Adam Sandler vehicles, he early in his career got shoehorned into a lot of these very generic comedy roles sell outy kind of feeling with the same same co stars, Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, shit like that. Washed out, yeah. I mean, not at the time, I don't think, but stuff that certainly hasn't aged particularly well and that didn't demand a lot from from him as an actor. And I think you're right, Ben. I think he's now, as he's getting older, maybe he's getting better at picking his roles or I don't know what, but um, he's he's definitely showing off his acting ability a little bit more. And this is a, a really interesting case of that because it is just a, a grown man, a middle-aged Vince Vaughn, acting like uh like 17 18 year old girl and he does a great job and he pulls it off and and he's really the saving grace of the film because i think you're right unlike happy death day our leading lady is uh in this movie not particularly good she's not bad but um especially because she spends most of the movie having to pretend to be like a bloodthirsty serial killer she's very flat i kind of wanted them to go more over the top with the serial killer personality more like maniacal
1: yeah there's there's a great opportunity for an actor or actress to show their chops with a like possession style role Mm -hmm. like that's that's a that's always a great opportunity when you have a character that has some sort of personality flip uh, so often, like 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 Academy Awards and other things, like go to actors who have those like personality shift roles. It's it's an Fuck ideal. It.
0: Let's give Vince Vaughn an Oscar for this movie. The Oscars <laughs> don't mean anything. No, um,
1: there's not much competition this year, yeah. anyway. Uh... You're, you're so right, though, that an actor or an actress here could have really shown their chops, uh, being like the cute, innocent. Kind you know like quiet person and then shifting into bloodthirsty murderer, and which
0: I think is the idea, but in execution it leaves a little bit to be desired. Yeah,
1: they went more for like the the stone cold silent killer. <laughs> they went Jason Voorhees when they should have gone Freddy Krueger. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I and I respect like the you know the Friday the Thirteenth homage and whatnot, but. Still, you still have your killer be more
0: fun. Yeah.
1: Have your have your killer. uh, Yeah. Do some maniacal laughing and just a little bit more get a little more crazy with a little more a little more Joker, baby. Well, something
0: something that I want to talk about is which is one of the things that I do not like about this movie and Cleveland, you and I watched it together. So I know we both had this complaint regarding our uh, our lead actress although this is not her fault this is the script's fault but she's supposed to be the kind of like loser kid who gets bullied and picked oh on yeah this stereotype and it, you know not popular only has a couple of friends but like everybody makes fun of her everybody picks on her and shit like that and at one point like she's the she's a school mascot and and the school mascot is, like, beavers, and one of the jocks is, like, making fun of her at a football game is like, that's the only beaver that nobody around here would hit. Ha 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 And, like, multiple times people call her ugly I do not understand that. Here's the thing:
1: like, if if you tweaked it a little bit, it could almost be done as like a satirical joke or commentary on it. But it's not. Like, it just feels like that like men writing women stereotype of like
0: like she's, she's very she's gorgeous pretty. but
1: doesn't know it like kind of thing. And it's like, come on, man. Either like play it up as satire or or it's a sort of middle ground. Like she's, like, I, I no, when put, the killer becomes her, uh, he she puts would... on a leather jacket and all of a sudden she's hot. That's literally it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Like puts her hair up, and that's yeah. Yeah. I, like, what, uh, yeah, it, it's I, it's a stereotype as old as time. They let their hair down and suddenly they're gorgeous. Yeah. Like like I, they're always like gorgeous. Like yeah, it's silly. I would put part of that blame on the studio,
2: you know, not being ballsy enough to cast someone who's actually ugly, kind of ugly. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, or, or just not have it be a thing.
2: <laughs> I think we need more ugly actors.
0: I mean, in Hollywood.
1: yeah, I mean, agreed, I agree, agree. You know?
0: I know, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and you know. Like, I get it, like, part of her arc in this is that she's kind of like an ugly duckling character, you know, who by the end has, like, found herself and her confidence, and, like, she gets the the guy she wants and whatever, who he turned out to like her all along, right? So, like, in that sense, it's very... It's chock full of those kind of John Hughes style tropes. But like to see douchebag Jot characters like calling her ugly when like I have eyes and I can see her. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. just also because like like it's like, not
1: believable. Douchebag jocks will fuck anything that moves. So, yeah, it's like, like if you're mm-hmm. gonna if you're gonna make
0: like if you're gonna try to make me believe that she's supposed to be ugly, then do some makeup work or something. If you're not gonna hire an ugly actor, which I agree, <laughs> Hollywood needs more ugly actors,
1: or, or or make it like part of the frame, play it up as satire, like, and that's that's also fine, and make yeah. a commentary on that. But it's not. Or it doesn't read as that to me. It
0: does not read as that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I
2: mean, part of it, too, I could, you know, attribute somewhat and not to be too forgiving to the script or, you know, that decision, but it could be them nagging her considering like later on in the movie, they tried to rape her. Yes. um, Which is kind of a yikes, but I mean, it's a big yikes. (laughs) They get their come up. It's it's for sure. But you
0: know, that's, that's after, you know, she's put on the leather jacket, which made her hot. So it's like, I, I don't know. It's, it feels like one of those things where it's like, they never realized she was hot all along. (laughs) But yeah, then they do try to rape her, which is uh, like you said, yikes. Yep. Uh, but all of those, but all of those guys get Murdered. fucking murked with a chainsaw, which is very satisfying.
1: It yes. is, it is uh, great kills. Uh, my favorite, uh, I think, of all the kills in the movie, minus the bottle because the bottle's great. The uh, bottle's great uh, is the Kool Aid man hook through the wall. Like that's awesome. Oh yes, that is such a good. Kill. I forgot about that. Such one. a good kill.
0: I also, I also thought because you know at one point the killer in her body says to one of the jock guys that like uh, like you make my pussy dry or whatever, and then later in the movie he has a comeback. He's like, "I have never made anyone's pussy dry." <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that line was so funny. Really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
1: I wanted to bring up one of the other characters as well, the gay friend. Um, who is like mega, like has a lot of like dark jokes. It was wild to me. Uh, I have a friend who is exactly, exactly like that character. I mean, looks like him, everything. Like, like just, just, it just is Max. And it was really weird for me. It's like, like, just one of my friends would play Dead by Daylight with a lot, watching this movie and thinking like a lot of people might feel like that character is a stereotype, but it's just like, man, that just was, that just was like a friend. I was just like, that just is Max. Like, amazing.
0: The, the standout scene with him, in my opinion, is when. They capture the the killer and uh, in her body, and they have her tied up or him tied up at uh, at the the gay kid's house. And his mom comes home. Oh God, that was and great. It, he has to try to con- he has to try to convince her. We're
1: doing role play. Yeah, we're doing
0: role play. And then his mom's like, "Isn't that a sex thing?" And he's like, "Yes, it is, Mom. I have something that I have to tell you." <laughs> I'm straight, and she's like, "No, you're not okay as shit." Are you kidding me? The, the having that uh the reverse come out scene—it's pretty funny uh, as, yeah, a, as a bit. Was was quite funny. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really good. Do you guys have any other big parts you want to hit in this one? We've kind of covered a broad strokes. We got two other movies we got to get to. Kills good. Oh, yeah. what do y'all think about the plot device for them uh, switching bodies—the the ancient Incan dagger or whatever? Uh, served
1: its purpose just fine. I thought, fine. It, was fun. I thought yeah. it was fun. Yeah. Uh, the the shot where like uh he re- he pulls the knife up to stab her and as he brings it down like it suddenly becomes like at the top of an aztec temple was yeah. rad that was yeah. very fun i'm glad they kept it at that they didn't go too far with it it's it's a little like ooh mysticism or whatever but that's sure the point it, it's, it's a cursed
0: yeah. it's a cursed artifact yeah you know um, that switches their bodies it I was good care.
1: uh the oh oh the fact that like the the person they have to seek to learn more about the the artifact like the stereotypically like the oracle figure is their spanish teacher very funny yeah Uh, and how she
0: how she gets mad at the gay kid for not knowing spanish well enough to read the article that's why they go to her she's like you're in my class (laughs) he's like i have dyslexia
1: (laughs) yeah that, that great little scene uh yeah this movie has a lot of like fun little things like scattered throughout it uh definitely uh worth a watch in my opinion yeah it didn't blow my socks off you know at any at any given time like there aren't any moments in this that were just like oh this is like the best thing i've seen all year or or whatever but i was i was never mad at the movie i was never like you know bummed out i don't feel like i missed anything watching this movie i had a great time it it was a a great great movie
0: the one last thing that i did want to bring up which is like one of the other moments that i was just kind of like hmm kind of wish they didn't do that is when they had vince vaughn uh kiss a teenage boy oh yeah (laughs) Yeah,
1: that That wasn't really necessary they could have like played it up like she was and then didn't but yeah
0: like they could have they could have had him like lean in for a kiss and then they stop and like that would have been enough
1: that would have been fine the joke would have still been there
0: and it's like I get it. Like it's her in his body. So, but
1: it's still, he's a minor, like the visual, the
0: visual of middle-aged Vince Vaughn, Mouth kissing a teenage boy in the back seat of a car. An underage boy. An underage. That's the problem. Like an underage boy. Like, be very in the clear of the about car. that. Yeah. Like you know. Oh yeah. No no no. My problem isn't. I don't want to see two guys kiss. That makes well, me mad. Not want to see two guys kiss. It's that it's a well, middle aged well, man such a bigot, kissing T's. a teenage
1: boy. You're canceled. I'm,
0: I've already been canceled. <laughs> goddammit.
1: Just Double down. Yeah. No. It's fact. Like, it's a minor. Uh, yeah. A little. A little problematic there. A lot problematic it's, there. But. It's like
0: it's very brief and I like how they kind of laugh it off because like they they stop and he's like the the boy is like, hey, maybe we should wait and do this when your hand isn't the size of my face. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that's that's a fun way to play it off. And then when they when she's got her body back at the end and they do kiss like she holds her her hand up to his face.
1: You know um, what would have been great? I don't think it it would have been like kosher because then like the they don't they're not a couple at the end of the movie. But what have, what would have been really funny to me is if. That was like him finding something out about himself and that he's like, oh, actually, I'm not feeling it anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I actually like old men now. Yeah, what do you know?
1: <laughs> Learn something about myself. Like, that would be fun. That would yeah, actually be kind of fun. I thought that would have been a more amusing because uh, there is another gay character. The two of them shacking up at the end, like you still like they, they find love instead. I thought that would have been really funny. Uh, and we don't we don't get that, uh, which is which is like you instead
0: know, we get one of the jocks being closeted gay, but typically homophobic when confronted about it. When he tries to kiss the the gay friend and he's like no and he's like, Oh yeah, I don't wanna you're you're a fucking faggot anyway. Could have done without that.
1: Yeah, um, I thought that scene was fine. I just, I didn't think it needed to end end with them dating. There's a lot of things about this movie that are fine. And honestly, anytime it like stepped over a line for me, it barely did. You know, like I I don't uh, hold anything I definitely don't hold anything against this film yeah. for any of the choices I wasn't really fond of. None of the complaints I have are, are, are I think, uh, from my perspective that you had to either like are, are big. Like, well, why don't you slap a rating on that? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a uh, uh, either a four or three point five. Um, well, which one? Well, goddamn it, <laughs> uh, three point five. It's almost a four. It might be a four. I don't know. There's some moments that are fours, but now yeah, three point five. Three point five. Ben? It's good. Watch it, though. I I do recommend it. Yeah, this movie is a
2: ton of fun. This is one of those movies where in any other year, it might be a little less, but in a year of, you know, just dark and depressing times, something Mm -hmm. fun like this is all the more welcome, Mm -hmm. and I think this movie, you know, does what it does well, and I think Vince Vaughn is a real standout in this. I think it's... Good. It's it's a solid four for me.
1: And there's a lot of people out there. I think this movie is a five four. Yeah, like I, I, who who would really love this film, and that might be you, dear listener. So yeah, go give it a give it a watch. Tease. How about you?
0: Like I said, um, I don't think it's quite as good as either of the Happy Death Day movies. I would still recommend those over this one um, for something of similar vibe. But if you liked the Happy Death Day movies and you want more, I would definitely point you in the direction of this one. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid three and a half out of five as well. Um, Nothing incredible, but uh, definitely a fun watch.
1: Oh and also uh, uh to to my friend Max if you're listening uh you are a fully fleshed out balanced person and and not a not a stereotype and I love you that's all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, well that'll give freaky an average of 3.7 out of 5 pods. Cool. Um moving right along The next film we're going to be talking about uh, is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Wall
1: Street. Uh,
0: oh. I wish. <laughs> um, Honestly, yeah. Sorry. That's the
1: mashup we, we deserve. Mm, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually. Wolf of Wall Street is great. Yeah, yeah. But, but Wolf of Wall Street with uh, werewolves? okay that okay no yeah, i know the, the werewolf, the werewolf street. Street. we just wrote the next christopher landon
2: movie that's it that's yep. it yeah Done. the werewolf
0: of wall street
2: yo i watched. About a
0: stockbroker who becomes a werewolf on the yes full i'd watch the shit out of that
1: <laughs> like well, just murdering a bunch of other like shitty like stockbroker people like yes god i'd watch the shit out of that set it in the 80s yeah. do it yeah God, well, would get like Because uh, it'd, like, it'd be like, it'd going going like I was a teenage werewolf of Wall Street, you know. Like, ooh, that's a good movie. That's a good mashup. Yeah. Teen Teen Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Street. Yeah, <laughs> want to see that? Movie it's a now. direct
0: sequel Damn. of Teen Wolf. We get Michael J. Fox back, but after high school, after the events of Teen Wolf, he went on to become a Wall Street stockbroker. So the no longer teen, but still werewolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anyway, let's talk about a much less interesting movie, uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, uh, written and directed by Jim Cummings and also starring Jim Cummings. Well, spoilers. Uh, Now they know it's not interesting. Well, they'll know soon enough. (laughs) Uh, It also uh, stars Ricky Lindholm, and uh, it was the final film of the late great Robert Forrester I wish for his sake that his final film had been a little bit better of a movie, but
1: What here else we is are. Robert Forrester he's done? One
2: of the greatest character actors of all time. He's been in yeah, he's been tons of stuff. Uh, Jackie Brown, uh yeah.
0: Mulholland Drive, he was uh, in he's in Twin Peaks. He's in Twin Peaks, uh the the return, Twin yeah. Peaks the return. Um uh, bit part in Breaking Bad mm-hmm. and and uh, El Camino, yeah he's great he's fucking he's fucking awesome um,
1: and not the problem with this
0: movie and not the problem with this movie uh, I would say the problem plural with this movie um, are mostly all Jim
1: cummings centric for me interesting. They go beyond that for me, but I'll let you. Well, as, I mean, he's also the writer, director, the right?
0: writer and director so, yeah. and
1: star of the movie. <laughs> well, I mean, that just covers the majority of the film. So yeah, yeah, I guess yes.
0: That's what I'm saying. Well, uh, I mean, broad strokes, the film is about a series of murders in a uh, sort of remote mountain town, and uh, is it a werewolf? Maybe. Or not. Stay, or is it?
1: Stay tuned to find out. Or don't. Or
0: don't. Or do. Is it a werewolf? No, it's not, actually.
1: Yep. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a Scooby-Doo. Uh, it's a half-hour Scooby-Doo episode stretched out and made darker and drier. It's a movie that I was really enjoying for the first 30 minutes. And
2: then stop. Interesting. I was, I was because,
1: excited about for the first thirty minutes. I don't. I. I don't know if with hindsight I'd enjoy the first thirty minutes as well, much.
2: I'm not on the same page as you guys at all because I found this just to be an interesting character study well, of a case, cop with
1: anger issues. In that case, uh, why don't we sit back for a second, Ben? Why don't you just tell us about the film and what you like about the sure, film? Sure. Yeah, I think you're probably be the best person for that. Well, this movie kind of falls into
2: one of those camps of cop procedurals where the 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 cop is always a couple steps behind the actual occurrences yes. of the film and i found some of that stuff comical with jim cummings being such such a train wreck cop with anger issues trying to be in control and the top of the food chain of this tiny police station mm-hmm. it felt very you know much like probably half of the the police in real life (laughs) sure um but he's just a complete psycho in this movie and i think honestly i i thought it was a pretty good performance that he gave i believed a lot of the anger and uh you know the energy of the role i think the relationship that was expressed between him and his dad was interesting because it's obvious that you know, the anger is palpable throughout, but there is kind of an undercurrent of not wanting to just become his father. But also, you know, some of that is uh, him caring for his father enough to try to keep him from working himself and kind of taking the the place of his father Mm. as the head. And while the ending doesn't completely work for me i i think it's kind of a fun way to end it so i i i'm interested in hearing what you guys thought of it because i i'm a, i'm obviously on a very different page than you well, guys see it. i don't
0: know if you're on such a different page because i agree with pretty much everything you just said same in regards to like the first 30 minutes of the movie i think everything you described Is set up within the first act of the film. The problem is that it never changes. I really liked a lot of where the film was going. I was enjoying Jim Cummings character or where it could have gone or where, yeah, where it could have gone. The problem is that it remained so one note. Like I, I thought the first couple of instances of like his really explosive rages, especially at like his subordinates, um, they were played for comedic effect, and I thought they were pretty funny. I thought his performance was good, but it got so tiresome for me that every single interaction his character had with somebody in the movie ended in a scream, in him screaming at them. Look, yeah, this every, this film is everyone
1: is so one note. Like, yep. uh, from from the start to finish, in most every respect, the the character he has. A transition, but it's just from like bitter to more bitter. Like it's not, and, and and it never even then like reaches like cartoonish heights of bitterness.
0: Oh, I disagree. I think it's cartoonish from just about the get-go. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't change though. You yeah. Your point on that stands. Or yeah, not enough. And uh, I was, I was, see, I was, I was hoping that the film up through that first thirty minutes was going to go army of darkness because that actor was channeling a little bit of bruce campbell Mm -hmm. in his energy and i just i wanted by the end of it to just have him go full on like this is my boomstick like wild like a person trying to hunt down a werewolf or something crazy that's the direction i was really hoping this was going to go in because there are two ways you can i mean there are more but essentially there are there are two ways you can sort of take this is it a monster or is it not route? And I think they picked a weird middle ground. We disagreed on this a little bit while watching the film, but I, I'd, I'd need to go back and see it. But I felt pretty, I still feel pretty strongly about this, that there are, there are some sequences where they use, and maybe it just looked CG and wasn't, I don't know, but they just, there's, I felt like there was a lot of CG werewolf. And for the reveal to be that it's a guy in a suit I hate that. Like, see, that drives me up the wall.
0: Yeah, I I thought it looked like a guy in a suit to begin with. I mean that from a filmmaking perspective. Like, I didn't think it was going to literally turn out to be a character in a werewolf costume. But when I saw the werewolf, I was like, "Hey, that's a guy in a suit. Cool, fun." I yeah, Mm -hmm. I did not. I did not see the CG that you saw. Maybe maybe I, I. I don't know what the discrepancy
1: in our viewing was. Well, I, you know, like it, it can be tricky, like in this day and age as well, uh, uh, sometimes to tell. But I do feel like some of the shots of like the feet moving or like at a distance, the werewolf like arcing back and howling, I thought were CG. Um, and See, it realistically, it was probably a combination of both. It was
0: probably a guy in sure, a suit, like certain shots. With, it was probably a guy in a suit with CG enhancement.
1: Yeah, and I just I, I hate that I felt that way at all. I I think that they could have gotten away with it just feeling like a guy in a suit and the audience wondering if it's a werewolf or not and showing less or, you know, just like playing it up properly so that that's maintained. Because as soon as you incorporate CG into it, it breaks that suspension of disbelief for me. Like, uh, if, if it is a guy in a suit, why is it ever not a guy in a suit? You know, like, if the whole idea is to dispel the magic of it being a monster why did they ever use CG? Like, why, why would you do that? If it is a if it is a real guy, What you know what I mean?
2: It, like, didn't, it didn't really feel like CG to me either, but I'm sure they probably enhanced some stuff. I know Jim Cummings is a really indie director, so yes. he probably doesn't have that much budget to actually do CG for the most part. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was even all guy in a suit just shot in a way yeah. that's, you I know, just, kind of...
1: I could swear, like, there's a shot from far enough back where you see it in full, and it's moving, and it's just like just CG. I could be wrong, but like that's how I I remember it. My problem too is that like the first time I watched Stranger Things, I felt like the Demogorgon was really good CG, and that was a guy in a suit. So I don't know. I, I could I could well be wrong, but I'm I, I my gut my gut really says that. Um, where where I think regardless, that's all I have to say. Where
0: on that I, where I think that there there is a little bit of credence to that to not necessarily the CG thing, but like presenting the werewolf as something is that it doesn't turn out to be, is that like in one scene it does... Rip a woman's arm off with its bare hand. Okay, yeah. When it comes
1: to like what the wolf actually does, how the fuck is a guy like, in a suit? It is do just that? a
0: guy in a suit. So it's like when you when you try to break it down like that, then like I'm not I'm not necessarily going into this movie to poke to poke a bunch of holes in it. I am um, <laughs> I, in terms of plot holes like that, uh, but like. The look! look he, that it to smashes
1: me. a car like it does all like the the way it's like killing the deers and like ripping limbs off, which it's it's well implied that it is just ripping those limbs off. It's not using a knife or some other bullshit like that. It's it's hiding like Bugs Bunny like it. It's it's a fucking werewolf like in those sequences. Sorry, that I got a little, little too mad well, there the for, for, a, for a dumb movie. But is you, you get my point. It's. Really, not until the last like five
2: or ten minutes that it's actually revealed as a guy in a suit. Yes. Even when, you know, you get that climactic sequence where he stands up in full and he's like seven feet tall. Yeah. It's still a guy. Yeah. And, and he's you not know, a big dude. Like and, he's tall, but yeah, he's not. You can, he's lanky. You can even pull credence that. At that point in the movie, that maybe it is a werewolf. You know, werewolves turn into men, you right? Know? That it, yeah, that's well, the whole thing. And w- to have it, you know, finish with, oh no, it's just a guy in a
0: suit because he's the taxidermist. Yeah, so he's
2: made himself a werewolf. Actually,
1: a, a wolf turning into a man would be a wereman, but that's neither here nor there.
2: Well, you turn back and forth.
1: Yeah, you no, know, I'm, so I'm, I'm just wereman, man, uh, wolf. I just want to make the joke. <laughs> <out. laughs> Um, no uh so like whether we 're talking about like from a filmmaking perspective or just from a writing perspective, I thought it was a goddamn bummer uh like it it, it was just it was a it was a weird i think that can be executed think, very well yeah, i think there 's a, a great story that. in yeah. that like the 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 wolf nut is actually just a man. You could you could almost have a cool Buffalo Bill like character like his the the killer's signature is to make it the scene look like a werewolf that's kind
0: of fun. The thing is is that that it's foreshadowed kind of clumsily yes in in a prior scene where he's in the car when Jim Cummings character is in the car with his deputy and he's like did you know that in the Middle Ages a lot of werewolf attacks were actually just dudes and they they only blamed it on the full moon because when the full moon was out it was the easiest to see so you could sneak up on somebody but all the time it's just been men killing women have women had to deal with that for all of all of uh history and it's like it's supposed to be like he's oblivious cuz like the look she gives him is like yeah women have to deal with this all the time yeah. um, which is Almost cool. Like, uh, but it's, it's cu- like,
1: culturally, there are um, it's some, like some them examples telling of that. Us,
0: It's like them telling us, okay, the werewolf in this movie is also just mm-hmm. a guy.
1: Like, like in India, like, there's that idea of, like, the rakshasa and, like, the, the sort of the tiger demon or the tiger, like, tigers coming into towns and murdering people. But there was, like, a certain type of, like, uh, like thieves and assassins would use this weapon called a bagna, which is essentially a... Um,
0: it's uh, a knife that's like a claw.
1: Yeah, it, it's like, um, uh, what are they called? Like, when you, you wear them in fights, I love it. I can wear a bagna. No, nah, but I can't remember. Brass, brass fucking knuckles. Yeah, yeah. It's like brass knuckles, but it's like Wolverine claws on it, or yeah. like tig- t- like like tiger claws. And they'd kill people using them, and people would be like, oh my god, they were mauled by a tiger. So, like, yeah, there, there's pre- there's even historical precedent for that, and it's a neat idea. Uh, we just, we gotta know at the halfway point, you know, and 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 build the killer's character around that, or at least three quarters. And, and not set it up so will they, won't they? Like, with it, because yeah. the whole movie is middle of I the mean, road. I mean,
2: I guess it's it depends on your approach to this movie because I'd never viewed it as about the wolf whatsoever. No, actually, no, that's that's actually another one of my.
1: That's another one of my complaints about this film is the. Jim werewolf. Cummings
0: is the monster because he's a normal guy, but then he flies into rages and loses control of himself. The, yeah, and, and, and becomes uh, monstrous. The
1: werewolf addiction metaphor is so played out and this film treats it like it's not it's the even first werewolf time addiction it's been
0: it's, done. it's it's literally like you can read about it. it's literally uh equating being a werewolf to toxic masculinity yeah that's because, what the movie is about because you see it like and in the dad think, too like he's a workaholic
1: yeah. and you know he's an alcoholic it's like, I don't think that's a problem
0: in and of itself but I think that the movie at a certain point gets so wrapped up in that. It's more that about it that than for- the movie itself. That it
1: forgets that it's supposed to also just be a movie. Yeah. It's more about the frame than the painting. <laughs>
2: yeah. And See, uh, yeah, like that's, I just, I totally disagree. I think, I think, you know, the magic in this movie is all of the performances. And while this movie does stay kind of static, I definitely agree with that. It is, It is under 90 minutes. You know, it is a fairly short movie. And it, to I me, think it feels like I think I same. think the the bouts of anger, it's less about toxic masculinity to me and more about, you know, fits of rage and kind of someone dealing with legitimate, you know, anger issues. And I think on top of that, and I think Jim Cummings performance is good, but I think all of the. Secondary characters performances are really good. I think Robert Forrester gives a really good performance and he gets some interesting, you know, backstory to his character. I think Ricky Lindholm gives a pretty solid performance. Uh I I thought the the kid from American Vandal who's in it for yes. a little gave a really really surprisingly good he does performance. does a great job opening I the film. Him. Yeah. Um, There's
1: more of them. Oh, another big factor when you go the realism route and you're playing this movie up as a who done it Making the killer someone you don't introduce until the third act is not okay. Like that was another that's another huge complaint I have. Like we don't get to have a cool epiphany in this yeah, movie. Actually, like, that's
0: that's something I'm gonna I'm gonna I need to ask Ben for clarification on because I'm I'm willing to admit this is a full failing. For now, for myself and Cleveland also, since neither of us got this. I'm not willing
1: to admit anything yet, but Uh, keep going.
0: You're going to agree with (laughs) me because we talked about this at length after the movie was over. Sure. Is that there's a red herring character who's like some, some jacked guy who lives in a trailer and there's a scene at one point where he's burning a body in his backyard mm-hmm. and we see him like silhouetted from behind and it like zooms in and he's got like a tribal wolf tattoo. What on the fuck his. is that other than a plot hole? Well, that's well, that's the thing. And that's why I want to ask Ben for clarification, because I really hope you were paying closer attention than we were, yeah. because that dude ODs on heroin. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed that he's not the killer and that the taxidermist is a, it's a guy in a werewolf costume. But who was that dude and why was
2: he burning a body in his backyard? What was the, so, cause like? I missed that. So he was also the killer, but he wasn't a serial killer. He killed that one person, oh. but he didn't kill all of them. And uh, they thought it was the serial killer because they found one body that's oh my, so dumb that's actually dumber that's actually
0: that's actually dumber.
2: But it's that dumb cop logic that totally works at the same time. It's like case closed. We found dude with a wolf tattoo. Right, he's got to be the guy.
0: Must be the dude. But also, like, it's kind of dumb from a screenwriting perspective. It's like, well, we need a red herring, so let's just introduce another guy who's also a killer. But the thing is, like, not
1: the killer. And also, he has nothing to do with um the the plot line like as a whole. Like, only the audience sees him. Like, during those sequences, yeah. right? Like, he doesn't interact with our main character at all. There, there's nothing dynamic there. It's just, like, we're presented with this red herring him, like, from the side. We not like, amongst the
0: townsfolk and be like, oh, it's that guy. Right. It's like we only ever see him in the context of he's a big jacked dude with a wolf tattoo who's burning a body in his backyard. So, during like,
1: those sequences, whenever we're presented with this out-of-towner guy, I'm just like, oh, God. Okay, so it's someone, it's someone who's not even attached to the plot. Like that's boring. That's it takes, not fun. It takes
0: away the it takes away the who done it aspect of it because it's the film basically telling you this is the guy, and then when that turns out to not be the guy, it feels not like a fun revelation, but sort of like the film is slapping you in the face, like "haha, idiot! You thought it was this guy, but it's actually this guy." Even though we presented it as only being this guy, yeah, and no, and didn't give you anything to think that it might be somebody else,
2: yeah. Well, that's the thing, I. I understand the frustration with that, but at the same time, I think this movie is so subjectively through the lens of Jim Cummings' character that seeing him be completely oblivious to all of these, you know, possible
1: killers, I think works well he's me. not oblivious like they they exist outside of anything he sees like exactly well, that's, that's
0: that's the thing is that if you're wanting to keep it perspective driven i'm fine with that Yeah, they're not that's, in his perspective I don't think that's at a problem. all problem then like really make it narrowly narrowly his perspective don't show us the audience things that he is not seeing If you're like really trying to make it like his tunnel vision, because I think that that is probably the answer Yeah, is like following him, trying to like put together the
1: clues. But then don't artificial red herrings. We
2: really don't get a ton outside of his perspective. I think some of the only stuff we do get out of that is like the kills the kills and us seeing this the whole
0: this the, the, red the thing her- and with the yeah. problem showing us the red herring. Yeah. guy. Uh,
1: so like that's yeah, I don't I don't see that like like yeah, it's like yeah, the, it's it's the one thing we have a, a gripe with that pick, that is yeah. yeah. Pick, pick a lane. I was looking forward to the direction this film was going, and I just I feel like I picked sort of the middle of the road. Like if you are going to go the realism route. Um. Then you can you can play that up more as a whodunit. You can uh give give us something more out of this Buffalo Bill character. You can make us, you know, uh, uh, really really feel something and be engaged with the story. But I don't think that the story was really interested in itself. It was interested in the metaphor when it comes to that character. I get what you mean, Ts, when you said earlier like the character was cartoony. A lot of his outbursts of rage most of his outbursts in of rage were played for comedy yes so when you play them until, for comedy the, until constantly until the very very end right they're played for comedy until they're not and
0: and uh, right, what they're what am I supposed to feel whether they're supposed to be funny or not is what the plot demands at the time and i think that that can be done but there needs to be some nuance like people who have like anger issues don't just have one level where they just explode constantly like there's different ways to express anger and i i think that what would have saved a lot of this movie is if there had been some more like earnest moments that felt like really genuinely earnest where he like acknowledges his rage but the, and like acknowledges that he is not an easy person to contend with and that he you know, wants to be better than that. But the problem is that, like, like I said, every single interaction he has until the end of the movie, when he's finally learned his lesson a little bit, is every single interaction, no matter how it begins, ends with him screaming at the other person and blaming them for something that's not their fault. And I think that that's okay, but you can't do it. Every time there's got to be some up and down. There's got to be some up and down because I just got like, I thought I, I liked it at first. And then by an hour into the movie, I was so annoyed. With yeah. It. He has
1: no redeeming qualities. I,
0: I was so annoyed with it. It's like every scene that started, I'm like, okay, well this is going to end with him screaming at the thing person. Is, I, and and then sure I, I think
2: you do get slight glimpses of that in his relationship with his daughter and his relationship with his dad. But they're such brief
1: glimpses that I do kind of wish there was more. I well, they're serious I glimpses, think- but they're still him being a shitty person. Like we, we, I needed like to to like him if I in some capacity. I don't need to like him to feel for his arc at the end. Like I, I, I think I do. Like uh, or at least I do. Like uh, I would, I would have preferred to suddenly be made to take it seriously. I need to have some sympathy. Like for him.
0: Yeah, I wish he died. Um, I don't need, I don't necessarily need to like him, but I wish he died. Yeah. If they try to redeem him at the end with, like, oh, now he's, now his relationship with his daughter is fine, then there needs Why to be. Why do I some, care? I don't like there him. There needs to
1: be some likability before that. Otherwise, kill him. Yeah. Like, like if I'm going to feel for his trauma, if I'm going to gain something out of that, other than wanting to laugh at him, which is how I'm most often presented with it, is for comic relief, then you you need to give me some sympathy. I need, I need a little, I need to feel, I need to. Suffer with this person, and you never do. You 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 always just see this person being shitty. It's tricky, uh, and which is why I think the other route would have been great. Like if he'd gone full blown Bruce Campbell, and uh, we could have gotten some equal catharsis. Like, and we could have just enjoyed him. Just you know, like like fucking you know coming at the the werewolf with a 12 gauge or whatever and like him fucking fighting it on a top of the police station like like either if we're going for realism or if we're going for for cartoon like army of darkness stuff either way i need some goddamn catharsis like that's all i would like and instead this this film ends uh, very uh hollow if you will um uh <laughs> like with with me not really feeling much of anything i don't feel much for the main character um i don't i don't feel much about the villain about the murders with the werewolf what am i supposed to feel other than like an academic understanding of werewolves and toxic toxic masculinity addiction uh stuff that i'm already well aware of like like that because that metaphor is already so played out and what else am i supposed to get out of this movie other than that
0: yeah i don't know I, and and maybe as somebody who who ha- looks at it a little bit more positively Ben, maybe you can answer this question but like I have a hard time deciphering what this film is trying to
1: say not that, I, we not get that, what it's talking about but no, what new is it trying to say about that thing
0: right like what is what is its message supposed to be outside of um its its metaphor like is is there something else that it's trying to say? Like if not, why does it lean so heavily on allegory if it's not trying to say something with it? I I'm, I don't like I that's I don't mean that rhetorically either. Like I'm genuinely curious because like I have a hard time yeah. I have a hard time parsing. What what, could,
1: what else could the character have done? Like he's brought into like or he's brought into that well of darkness by the uh, by external events it's not his own choice like it's the stresses of these very real things going on around him right like the the wolf killings no one listening to him his rages all the rest of it like it's all external like uh that that is happening at him so when he's forced to booze like what the fuck else does he have at that point right like it's the werewolf's fault but there is no werewolf so i don't know
2: I don't know. I I don't know if I can really answer what it's trying to say. To me, the movie just felt like a straight character study of a man, you know, kind of having a downward spiral. Partially brought on by information overload. Mm -hmm. I think this movie does a pretty decent job at times making me feel kind of anxious in terms of all these things going on and the main character not yeah. having control of them. And I think, you know, in in terms of a character study of a person spiraling out of control, I think that kind of works. I think in terms of story story and what it's trying to say with, you know, its plot directly, I agree with you guys. I don't think it works super well. I think it's kind of messy and uh, all over the place. But I think in terms of just pure character study and you know kind of look looking just particularly at the performances in the movie i think they're solid and i think the character study part of it is where it shines for me
1: so to respond to my own perspective and i, I want to say that not as a retort but like just from where i'm coming from because I, I think it's fine like i, I think uh, uh that's that's a dandy perspective to have. My 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 concern is uh, to, to sort of reiterate what I've said before. Is like if this film is a character study, our character is very one note.
0: Doesn't He's, feel like there's much to study the, for me.
1: Because yeah, like like if you're going to do a character study, it's good to have. Uh, if we're going on a journey with this character, to have a character arc, right? Things need to change. There needs to be a shift, and um, uh, there needs to be dy- dynamism, right? And uh, here. Uh, the character is always an asshole. He's just an asshole that then starts drinking. But like, before he starts drinking, he's an asshole. And before he starts drinking, conversations end with him screaming at people. He's never not that character. And by the end of it, he's still kind of that guy. Yeah, he doesn't really... Like, so that's, so, that's so actually if this is point. a character study... What's the character like? He does that's well, that's my. That's he doesn't my
0: really change much when he goes back to drinking. Like he kind of he already is that person. Like yeah. he starts out the film like we see him in an AA meeting. That's our first our first uh, introduction to him. Like he's a recovering alcoholic, but then when he's driven back to booze by like all of the stresses of his life drunk him is basically the same as not drunk
1: him, if if not worse which is weird to me because you would think like okay he's he's finally like pursued his drug again wouldn't he have calmed down you know like wouldn't he like become more docile like so
2: it's like it's weird i think once he becomes kind of a drunk in the second and late second and third act he kind of turns even more pathetic than he was before. And I think he the arc of this pathetic. film. Yeah, in, in very broad strokes. Is a man. Losing control of. The world and environment. Around him. Uh, loses control over himself. Mm-hmm. You know as. As. You know, events spiral around him getting worse and worse, and him losing control of his situation. He turns to a way of kind of riding that wave and losing control of himself. And that kind of shines as him becoming kind of a pathetic character in the third act. And, to, you know, a character you almost pity i don't think he's ever meant to be sympathized with but i he certainly is a pitiable character by pitiable for sure
1: the the interesting thing about that is like the the world uh you described the world's like spiraling out of control around him but the the world is always werewolf murder
0: well that's that's the thing is not even outside of that he never seems like he's ever been in control. Yeah, like he's you're you're yeah, talking about from the about, beginning. It starts with the, the about, werewolf you're murder. You're talking about him losing control and things getting worse. And like yeah, in terms of the narrative events, things do get worse. But from the get go, he does not seem in control. And it's worse ever. for more
1: of the same. It's just more werewolf murders. Like and it's yeah. like I
0: think once again, I think it's like there's a lot. There's potential, and what you're saying isn't wrong. Yeah. But the
1: flatness
0: of it, where it just starts at one level and stays at that level.
1: I do think you're right. I think that you brought a lot of good points into what this film was trying to do. And again, this is my perspective. Like and if you if you think it did those things well, I think that there's there's argument for that. I think I think there's grounds for that. From where I'm standing, like I think I think it was trying to be a character study, but I think our character is flat. And could have been more. I think that this the this actor, director, writer, like could do more with maybe some roles that are written to be more dynamic. I don't I don't think that his performance was necessarily the problem, but yeah, I, I, I think that like there's grounds for that being what the film was trying to do for me it didn't succeed but i, I do think it was trying to be a character study i, I just yeah, i don't i don't i don't know what i'm supposed to feel about this character because if it's a character study i'd like to either like like or love to hate and i, I don't i don't really feel well, anything about this, for what's this character what's
2: interesting to me is in some respects i kind of felt the same thing as uts where at first you know the anger outbursts were funny and then they become kind of frustrating and grating mm-hmm that kind of just pushed the the pity for me, kind of looking down and kind of pitying this character. Yeah, he's pitiable and, for sure. He's pathetic. And I, I think it's definitely not for everyone because that's a very direct way of kind of forcing someone to feel, you know, a type of way about a character. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think it works because it's kind of like that idea of telling a joke so long that it stops becoming funny you know it's that kind of comedic anger that keeps going to the point where it's not really funny anymore but the point of that is
0: you're supposed to keep going until it becomes funny again like that's the that's the completion of that loop the repetition starts as funny then it's not funny but then it's funny again because you keep going and I think this movie starts with the outburst being funny. then they become not funny, but they never become funny again. Well, <laughs> so I just, think I think to that me, like to, something
1: else to kind of, I think sure, I think that fair. like you can't just have a singular arc to to reiterate what you just said too ben like I, i'm I'm with you on that actually. like I think you can absolutely go from funny to not funny and end there. I think that's fine. My problem is, is that the not funny part needs to come with that sympathy. Like, and that's where my problem is. Because, no, I see what they were trying to do with that. Like, like and then it can just become, the, the joke can spoil. But for me, the joke never really spoiled all that much because I didn't feel bad for the character. He's pathetic. Do I feel bad for him? No. I don't feel much of anything for him. I just see him be, be pathetic. Like, so it doesn't work for me. I was
0: glad when he got stabbed and sad when he didn't die from it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's not
1: good. If this is a character study, I should I should be along for the ride with your character. Like, that's all.
0: Well, we we need to move on. We've it's still fine. got a whole yeah, other I agree. movie to talk about. But uh, Ben, why don't you write this one first?
2: Sure. Uh, well, I'm sure... Uh, I'm going to have the highest rating. I didn't think yeah. this was too bad. Um, I thought, you know, interesting character studies some great performances, especially from the secondary characters. Robert Forrester gives a great performance. Rest in peace. Yeah, in his final role, rest in peace. Decent, solid movie. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Clive.
1: Uh, yeah, um, uh, didn't like the, uh, writing, didn't like the script, uh, wasn't really there for the kills, uh, wasn't there for, uh, the, the performances about halfway through the film. Again, that first 30 minutes, uh, I was rooting for the movie. I, I was, I was looking for where it was going, and, uh, I don't like where it took me at all, uh, which is a hot bummer. I think most of the things I liked about the, the movie in the first 30 minutes was, my excitement over where it could go and it didn't go any of those places so it left me feeling really once again (gasps) hollow so uh yeah i'm gonna give it a two uh it just it really bummed me out uh and uh yeah didn't didn't like it and uh there was nothing about this movie i thought was great I, i thought that some of the 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 rage scenes at the beginning were fun and it just kind of undermined them by the end
0: yeah um I think I've expressed my thoughts on this film pretty thoroughly. I don't feel the need to reiterate. It's going to be a two and a half out of five for me. And that will give The Wolf of Snow Hollow an average of 2.7 out of five pods. And I think
1: during that first 30 minutes, I might have been more, even more excited about it than you were, like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, there were there were times where like I was I was rooting for the movie and you were you were not I sure mean, about I it. I was
0: like I I wanted I definitely wanted the movie to be good. And Same. I wasn't I was enjoying it for the most part for those first thirty minutes. Um but yeah it, it let me down. But anyway <laughs> Let's move on to our third and final film of the evening, a film that I think we all pretty unanimously enjoyed
2: quite a bit. Yes. yeah. Um, well, this was my sixth favorite horror movie of the year. Possessor just eked it out, and, uh, but this movie is fantastic, and I was super excited to show it to you guys. The film we're
0: talking about is called Come to Daddy, directed by Aunt Timpson. And it stars Elijah Wood and Stephen McHattie, uh, and uh, sort of broadly, it's about a uh, a thirty something uh, insufferable dj loser getting a mysterious letter from his estranged father and uh going to see him for the first time since he was a child and some very weird surreal things happen and
1: before we get into any of any of this plot line watch this movie like do do please like yeah, uh,
2: i'll give a big, spoilers, big spoiler warning, big big spoiler on, warning on this movie and i will say this movie is probably not for everyone i actually showed it to my brother and one of his friends and they thought it was super weird they enjoyed it but they were weird they were awesome. really thrown off by it yeah it, um I, I do want to mention that it is directed by one of the writers and producers of the greasy strangler so you do get minor shades of Greasy Strangler-esque weirdness and gratuity at times. But boy, howdy, um, man.
1: Like, <laughs> those, those things are, are so for me, the way that they're played. And uh, like a lot of the things in Greasy Strangler like, are not for me. And <laughs> I really liked how they were addressed in this movie. And This movie when, was great. When your film is titled Come to Daddy ooh, you better do it right. You know, like, you better play those things up. There is, there is a right and a wrong way to do that, uh, not in terms of subject matter, uh, but just in execution. I think you can, uh, no matter what that film is about, like, you can uh, you can execute it well or poorly, but there are, there are definitely ways. You can execute it real poorly is what I'm trying to say, like, with a title like that. I'm going in with a side eye. I went in this movie with a big side eye, and fuck i love this film it rules
2: great cases of a movie taking left turn after left turn oh. and just taking you on a journey oh man yeah,
0: what a yeah. ride
1: man what a what a fucking ride uh obviously
0: all right. yeah ben you weren't here when cleveland and i watched it but uh cleveland can attest for a lot of this movie i was uh like out loud trying to make guesses about where it would go yeah same we were
1: both like and, you know, just tried calling shit and out
0: none and none of our guesses were right yeah well, what I, that's what that which,
1: was which, was, which was, is cool because like compared to wolf of snow hollow which we were just talking about like which also didn't go in the direction we wanted it to go this movie didn't go in the direction we wanted it to go and we loved it loved it like yeah. absolutely adored it for that so keep that in mind i, I think it's worth saying all right spoilers are ahead shall we move yeah, on from here yeah all right here we go well, uh, let's start with performances, because I think uh, one
2: of the great early performances is Stephen McCaddy yes. as the dad, you know, Stephen famous, McCaddy is the dad famous from Pontypool, mm-hmm. uh, the, the voice from Pontypool. Um, I think he gives just an excellent performance in this, and you know it's kind of cut short by yes. the climactic scene with him. Uh, but or he has a well. That's that's the thing is like I remember
0: us watching the trailer for this movie sometime back mid uh, twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I think it was when we were trying to decide or when Cleveland was picking what our yep. mid year catch up was going to be, and the trailer depicts this movie as something. Very different from what it turns out to be. And usually I I kind of don't like that. But in this case, it's really good because the trailer makes it seem like it's going to be like a really weird, surreal character drama between Elijah Wood and Stephen McHaddy. But Stephen McHaddy's character dies like 20, 30 minutes into the movie. So he's not really in all that much of it.
2: Well, that's also one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, Stephen McCaddy goes off and talks about filicide and killing Elijah yeah. Wood. I he thought, goes and gets a cleaver. Yeah. And then has a heart attack from rage yeah. before he can do it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh,. That scene is so dark and disturbing that having it end in, you know, him dying is so left field and yes. weird that I just love it. And I remember when I was showing this to my, fr- uh, my brother and his friend, they were always guessing that, you know, it'd be like a ghost movie. He would come back from the dead That's or the something. Thing. And they kind of play that up in a little bit of Red Herrings with, you know, the the, the body's head moving yeah. well, a little bit,
1: too. Here's, and the noises from the basement here's and stuff. what I thought, and I've never been played this way before, and it was awesome. Uh, and it, it it's very Adult swim. This movie, I felt, sets you up to think that you are watching a terrible metaphor style film. It's because the dialogue is so estranged and so surreal and the characters are are so odd. I thought that We were going to end up with something like a comedic lighthouse. Like I thought, I thought that Elijah Wood's character was going to be the representation of something or like sort of a non-character, like the, that they were, they were portraying again more frame than painting, you know, like it was, it was going to be more about metaphor and an excuse for weirdness. Like I thought we were going to, I was watching like something surreal. I thought, I thought this movie was surreal. It is pretty surreal. It is, is surreal. A different kind of surreal. Yes. Like, um, the, the movie has surreal events, but on paper, everything that happens can be explained away by realism, and I didn't think that was, that was the case when this film started. Yeah. And that's what's I so agree. cool about the twist. I really thought that this movie was going to end with God descending from the heavens and something. It was going to get cartoon wild. And it gets. Stephen McCaddy is God, and Elijah Wood is
0: Jesus. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like exactly. And oh, thank God it isn't. Like too, because like that, I mean, I
0: think that could have been done in a fun. fun
1: way too. Sure, but like yeah, similar to
0: your your brother and his friend Ben. Like after Stephen McCaddy died, you know we get we get like. Several scenes of Elijah Wood like having to live in the house with his dad's body because the local morgue is full or whatever. (laughs) So they take him away. They embalm him and then they bring him back. And, you know, there's scenes of him like talking to Stephen McHattie's corpse and all this shit. And at a certain point, I said to Cleveland, I said, "Okay, look, there's three ways that this movie can go from here. Ghost or zombie. Elijah Wood is is going crazy and hallucinating. Yeah, like a descent
1: into madness. descent into
0: madness. Or it's all somehow an elaborate prank, and Stephen McHaddy, his character, is doing something to, like, try to gaslight Elijah Wood Yeah, maybe, maybe sure, like, like cuz he hates
1: him or it's a rite of passage, either it's way. It's like there are, yeah.
0: there are these three ways that this movie can go and I cannot see it going any other way. And it did. And it goes a completely different way. <laughs> it did way. and it was great. And it's
2: awesome. Yeah, it's so good. It was so fucking good. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, what a what a fucking film. Yeah. Um I do want to mention before we move on from Stephen McCarthy because I do want to talk about oh, that same. Yeah, I got more twist and where it goes from there. I do yeah. want to the scene where uh, Elijah Wood is talking about his career. Oh, and he and, pretends
0: to know Elton yeah, John? Yeah. I yes, loved dude. that scene.
2: I think that scene is absolutely fantastic. The acting in it is so perfect, and the writing is excellent, where, you know, it's uh, Stephen McCaddy calling his bluff essentially. They with both, what is
1: likely a bluff.
2: They both lie about being friends
0: with Elton John to each other.
1: Yeah, what but, a great
0: double bluff. And it's so funny, yeah, and Stephen McCaddy calls his bluff Well, and, and what was so great about it is that like the scene ends with Stephen McCaddy being like, you're a bullshitter and, bullshit, bullshit artist, artist. <laughs> Bullshit artist,
1: yeah <laughs> it's like like, you're a greasy strangler yeah you're a bullshitter
0: (laughs) and it's like them acknowledging to each other that they're both bullshitters Mm -hmm. and that's when it's like that that's like the moment where you start to realize that you can't trust the film and it's such like a perfect scene that encapsulates like the rest of the movie because the film also bullshits you Mm -hmm. Like, I
1: but was... But we never see anything that doesn't happen. Correct. Right? Like, there's never any visual metaphor. And you think the whole... And again, starting out, I thought the whole thing was visual metaphor. Like, how impressive? Uh, uh, Elijah Wood's shitty little bowl cut. And his little <laughs> Chinese
0: tattoo on his neck. And my favorite... One of my favorite parts, I even made a note about this, is when he's like, let's take a selfie together. And he, like, gets out this golden phone. And he... <laughs> He it's, it's a limited edition gold phone designed by Lord. It's, <laughs> it's re- and then finishes it with, It's real gold. That I died.
1: <laughs> I died.
0: <laughs> and then and immediately followed by Stephen McCaddy, quote unquote, accidentally yeah. dropping it onto the rocks on the shore <laughs> and shattering it. The limited edition gold phone designed by Lord. Like, it's. That is such a perfect setup for Elijah Wood's character, because before that moment, it's like, okay, he looks weird, he looks like a hipster douchebag, but like that's the moment. It's like, okay, I know who this character <laughs> is. <laughs>
2: I know who this character is. Just a is. cloud chasing, you know, Californian essentially. Yeah. And
1: it's it's great too, yeah, because the the movie automatically teaches you to to laugh at the character, you know, as opposed to sympathize with him, which makes the the rest of the twists and turns like so much more entertaining. Yes. I think like those those twists and turns, I think, wouldn't have been as engaging if we were still feeling anything for the character at that point. Um, once again. Um, Amazingly disparate to Wolf of Snow Hollow, which tried to do the same thing. Again, like, a main character we're not supposed to like, but had a great time with from the beginning to end. I
0: think at a certain point, though, Elijah Wood does become somewhat sympathetic.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, un- likable, un-
0: Unlike 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 Jim Co- I mean, he's always kind of likable. Elijah Wood is, you know, he's cute and charming. And, like, I always like seeing Elijah Wood. I can never dislike Elijah Wood in a movie. Sure. Um, but, like, where he starts out as like a fraud, a, like a hipster douche, like a or by the end of it, he definitely becomes sympathetic because he's he's like a bumbling, hapless idiot who ends up being wrapped up in something that is like far beyond <sighs> it, what uh, what anybody would expect
1: yeah the way that things just keep happening to him is great it's hilarious
0: is and i think we should that's a good segue to get into this a little bit uh we we mentioned that he keeps hearing noises from the basement so you know maybe there's something haunted whatever he finally finds the hidden trap door to get down to the basement and he goes down and he finds his real dad. That's right. And no, you might be thinking, oh, the dad who died was a clone. It's still Stephen McHattie, right? Nope completely different dude, chained up in the basement, who turns out to be his real dad, and who is, like, an international, like, thief, like an Ocean's Eleven-style like... like, like heist guy who screwed over his friends and stole all their money. So Stephen McHattie and the other villains that we're introduced to in the movie are, like, his old gang.
2: Well, not just
0: stole all the
2: money, but stole all of the money to fund Elijah Wood and his mom's lavish lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. they say they your say whole like, life is, 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 how, is
1: built on this. On
2: uh,
0: yeah, because, on this they, lie, because yeah. they kidnapped like some Thai or like Vietnamese Prince,
1: minister or something. Like
0: they're uh, some billionaire's daughter. Yeah, it's like he's like, did you ever stop to think about how you can live in a Beverly Hills mansion with your unemployed mother? And the best thing about that twist is he wouldn't have <laughs> no he wouldn't have like that character have. never would have thought about that he just, like just would have accepted it for reality he's it's so realization good moment i can't remember what the exact line is <laughs> but he's like oh my god my entire life is funded by kidnapping or by human trafficking or something like that is that's yeah. like yes your entire life's not yep. your entire life <laughs> is right, funded kid. by kidnapping. <laughs> what an amazing revelation what a, what a hilarious twist it's so funny and then we just get like our our actual villain
1: of the movie one of the the crew what's his name Jethro yeah, yeah. His name's Jethro because he's British, and it's almost like a, it, a Jethro like, Tull tall, thing. Funny, very, very good. Yeah, he's yeah got yeah. like
0: weird owl hair and like really bad teeth. Mm-hmm, yeah, he's great.
1: Yeah, he's he's delightful. Well, well, the, the best thing about it is like they immediately play him up as kind of a dumb edge lord. Like yes. this, the the villain character is not like a, a hyper, like a a, a a super competent assassin or whatever else like that. He's also kind of like dominant. Well, we're
0: introduced to him by him coming back to torture elijah wood's dad for information but the method that he chooses this is like our introduction to this character is he has like a ballpoint pen in a ziploc bag that he's covered in shit
2: (laughs) which just the logistics of that is hilarious right and so he's going to (laughs)
0: stab elijah wood's dad with the pen the shit covered pen so like his wounds get infected this movie which like oh sounds God. miserable but also like this just absolutely hideous mm-hmm. doofus idiot character coming in with like a shit covered well, pen and in
1: a Ziploc bag all of that too is played up with dialogue where the that guy is getting a certain word wrong what does he say uh, oh he says like x ex- Oh, he says wow. he says something other than excrement. He says like excrement or something like you know it's
0: excrement. Excrement. Yeah. he's like extrament. it's just it's, it's excrement. Pe- it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he says yeah it's got excrement
1: e- e- excrement on it or whatever. It's got e-
0: excrement on it. And Dad's like you know it's
1: excrement, right? <laughs> yeah. And he keeps getting it wrong, yeah. which is hilarious. Uh, and again, like it makes this like hi- like this this villain also a buffoon, which is great because our, ma- our protagonist is a buffoon, so we can have a buffoon villain going after him, and it's still just fine. This movie it's like if. David Lynch directed Pulp Fiction. And I I just, I love it. That
0: is actually a pretty good analogy.
1: Like, because you have these, like, Lynchian almost characters. Lynch is more, like, like, Lynch when he's he's more leaning realism for lynch like these are characters that are very weird and goofy but you meet them in real life they are believable
0: yeah it's like it's like blue velvet pulp fiction crossover kind of yeah
1: which is great what, what great movies like, to, it's, it's, to mash it's
0: surreal it has like these weird crazy disgusting characters but like it's
1: also like such an absurd crime scenario. Yeah, like it, it like pays homage you know? to noir uh, yeah. often, um, uh, especially towards the end. Uh, like the motel sequences and everything, and the the lighting and direction. It's all very like uh, like neo noir uh, or modern noir. Sorry, big difference there. Um, and that's great. What fun.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I I would definitely say, you know, it's Blue Velvet meets Pulp Fiction. But I would also throw in, you know, just shades of Greasy Strangler gross out. For sure. You know, with the shit covered pen or the tuning fork kill scene later on or, you know, the motel. All these yeah. different uh,
0: well, when Elijah Wood kills the other guy, which I will say is one of the things that I was confused about because they keep talking about one of the crew is like a is a hunchback dwarf. <laughs> And then when they reveal him later, he's just like a big Chinese guy, which I found <laughs> hilarious. He's like he's not a hunchback dwarf at all, but like with, with that, that fight scene is great. Cause like, oh, it's Elijah so good. Elijah Wood doesn't realize he's in the house and he goes into the bathroom to pee before he takes his dad out of there. And like the dude's just sitting on the toilet, which is the
1: reverse shit. of the, uh, the, of Pulp, the, Fiction. the Pulp Fiction. Of, yeah. yeah, of,
0: yeah. Like, Where he comes out, he was
1: in the bathroom and that made him safe. Whereas yeah. the other guy, like, he gets discovered in the bathroom. Very like, funny. So they
0: have this whole prolonged scuffle. And the whole time, the dude has the toilet paper, like, hanging out <laughs> the of The way ass, they play up that And tension. they keep cutting back to the bathroom and, like, more of it coming off <laughs> spooling the Spooling out, yeah. Spooling off the roll. But then also, but, like... At the same time, you're absolutely right. Like, it's got, like, really gratuitous, gross-out shit, because, like, Elijah Wood takes a fork and, like, stabs him in the balls (laughs) a bunch of times, and then, like, wraps his head up in saran wrap and, like, bashes his skull in. And It's really, like, it's really, really gratuitous and nasty. Here's why I love those sequences. Right.
1: You see why I love those sequences in this movie and they make me only deeply uncomfortable in Greasy Strangler is Greasy Strangler almost plays it for more cartoon effect, uh, whereas this movie is a little bit closer to realism. When you play up that cartoon of a level, it becomes almost like kiddish. And it's that it's that juvenile factor that like makes me just like deeply uncomfortable. Whereas here, I have a great time laughing at Greasy
0: Strangler. Most of the gross out stuff is like all weird sex shit, Mm -hmm. which adds a a whole the sex element. Yeah, that changes the whole whole. (laughs) extra level of perversion, Mm -hmm. whereas like. I don't know, maybe it's dumb to yeah. say, but, like, violent, like, extreme, gruesome violence is, like...
1: I can still feel th- less yeah, stomach-churning to me, me than,
0: like, weird, gross,
2: greasy sex
1: shit. <laughs> Agreed. Know? Big agree. Well, uh, we do
2: get some of the weird sex shit at the motel. Just a touch, thanks Just a me. touch. It's
0: just the right
1: amount. And, yeah, And that's still funny. <laughs> well,
0: I, I want to say, I, I do want to just, like... Clarify the premise at this point when he goes to the motel. Is that his dad convinces him that like, hey, Jethro has your luggage that has your mom's address on it. If you don't go kill him, he's gonna uh, kill your he's mom. Gonna, he's gonna go back to to L.A. and kill your mom. So he like can, so Elijah Wood becomes is forced to become like a hitman, <laughs> and is just the whole rest of the movie is just him being absolutely awful at being a hitman. like when
1: except he, for like the what like the two fluke times
0: right well yeah end up saving the day well and, and, and that's again not, flukes and that's not him that's yeah. the thing like it's not him <laughs> but like the, he hides in the trunk of jethro's car and they go to the motel where jethro's meeting uh, a prostitute who he pays to like choke him out or something yeah um like put him in a headlock um believable uh, Funny. Yeah. But Elijah Wood gets out of the trunk And he gets the, the crossbow That Jeffro had <laughs> that's earlier my favorite. And it's like we see him it's like oh they set up the crossbow earlier Oh now he's gonna get the crossbow He lifts it up out of the trunk And immediately fires the arrow Off into the the Flaming arrow off into the sky It's just like oh shit And just puts it back <laughs> That's it that's the crossbow
1: like it's so good like uh yeah to to immediately throw us off with with the crossbow like him pulling out of the car and immediately misfiring it and just being like oh well i don't know how to reload it so that's it no more crossbow at the hotel at
0: the hotel or the motel we're also introduced to my favorite uh secondary character (laughs) which is the the motel clerk and there's one specific line that makes him my favorite secondary character in the movie um He's reading the the motel is full of quote unquote geologists and the clerk tells Elijah Wood that like yeah it's a geology convention but it's all it's an excuse to just do to like have a swingers party um, but he sees him reading like a uh, like a soft core porno mag and the guy tells him I have the line written down. <laughs> I'm what's known in the medical community as a (laughs) titty-holic. And Elijah Wood uses that to lure him outside by saying, there's a lady out in the parking lot with ginormous breasts. (laughs) So he can get behind the counter and get the master key. And it fucking works, works. <laughs> the dude goes out in the parking lot to look for the woman with the big titties because I
1: mean, it's like it's, it's dumb enough that someone would say and he's dumb enough that he would do it like yeah, he's a certified titty-holic, titty-holic you know? yeah. yeah
2: well that's the thing it's dumb and juvenile
1: but it's contextual Yes, this, it's it's and it's believable. Even more fun. Yeah, like you've met the person. You know, you've met people like that. Like I, I know people who would say that, and like it's amazing for it that it can, it can take me that far into wacky fantasy and still explain all of it like yeah. with realism. Hell yeah, hell yeah. That's hard to do, and I, I respect the shit out of it. Um, yeah, goddamn, that character is a stitch. Uh, I, I want to go back to uh when his dad is for uh, his real dad is first revealed i just adore how they they make a parody out of so many of those like cube saw-esque films where it's like listen, you know, the person oh, picks man. up the phone, you know, it's, it's a stereotype in horror now where it's the person picks up the phone. It's like, listen to me, you have five minutes to do this thing. And if you don't do it within the next five minutes, you're going to die. Like, and to play that well, for last has is find, great. Yeah,
0: he has to find a way to get his dad out of the, out of his chains before Jethro mm-hmm. comes and,
1: back. And they keep playing that up with what you, you know, you mentioned earlier. It's like, all right, you have to kill Jethro. Like the, like his dad giving him missions was just escalate. You know, yeah. His dad. Yes, yes, yeah. continuing So to escalate fucking funny. He so funny.
2: Elijah would to break his finger. (laughs) which is so funny because you know he breaks the fingers and it's kind of an excruciating scene and you know he's almost going on to the second one and then they kind of trace up the the chain and realize it's just like on a little hook. yeah that all he used to do is unhook it <laughs> yeah. it's
0: such a fucking wow. good feel after the oh. whole bit of him like breaking multiple of his fingers so he can <laughs> slip them out through the cuff
1: yeah and all that's for nothing it's just they're like he could just like take it off the chain god so funny.
0: so fucking funny i uh, just to wrap it up because we don't want to go too long mm. um there's a great scene of elijah wood trying to sneak through the adjacent room to get into jethro's room where there's four people asleep in the bed and he ends up stepping on the remote and turning the, the tv on which is showing porn and like the whole scene just devolves but it ends with uh jethro stabbing elijah wood with a um it's like a, a a receipt, like a ticket spike, Which he gets
1: in the titty. Which he gets uh, in the from, office. from
0: the uh yeah, from the, the counter. We use them a lot in in the food service industry. But uh, yeah, he uh, he stabs Elijah Wood with with that, and he goes off. He's like, "All right, I'm going to go to California and I'm going to kill your mom." And Elijah Wood survives, and he stumbles
1: out, and we well, just—it's worth—it's worth saying how he survives too, because it also around it revolves around that one dumb object. Like that that thing is like the the crux of the whole climax. Um, before he goes into the hotel, he blows out that dude's tires with it. Yes, he uses that, and so like he uses it there, and that's what I mean, like where. He's a dumb character, but with, fl- there are certain fluke things because him punching out the tires is supposed to be a small, quick thing. He's like, oh, yep, let me cover my tracks so we can't get away. And then, uh, uh and then we, we move on from there. Like, we, it, there's quick sleight of hand with it. We're focused on the quote geologists and so many other things that we don't really think about him just like bunching out the tires with that same device. Then, yes, as you said, it gets mashed through his face, which is gruesome. Then the killer tries to make his escape, his exit. And the way that this, that sequence is shot is so fucking funny because we just
0: see jethro pull out of the parking lot it doesn't follow him we just see him turn onto the road and we hear it and we hear (laughs) a few seconds later tires screeching and uh and a crash and elijah wood kind of like groggily stumbles down the street and sees the car crashed in and like a sign has gone right through the windshield which as you pointed out cleveland yes The sign is for the grocery store bag that that hits
1: him in the face early on in the movie.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And nice I, little callback there. That
1: was cool. That I was actually, really neat. I
0: actually didn't catch that. Yeah, so what a I'm great
1: touch of world building. So, like, yeah, even that one little obscure thing when he gets hit by a bag, which is played as a little goof, um, ends up being, like, very important uh, to the to the plot. And yeah. that, that's cool. Well, that's really cool.
0: The clever way of revealing things continues because we, we, like, see the, the, the arrow of the sign, like, go through the windshield at, like, head height. So, it's like, we think that Jethro's, like, probably dead in the car. He gets up to the car he's not in there we cut we see jethro kind of walking down the road and elijah wood walks up to him and the camera pans around Mm. and we see that the sign has just shorn off just like the edge of his skull (laughs) and left like his brain exposed (laughs) (laughs) and fuck i i wish i could i wish i could remember the the line exactly but jethro says something like uh like, you know, the whole gang, like, we all fucked your mom. She was a prostitute. And she looked kind of like, and named somebody, and is was like, in case you're wondering who that is, because we were both just like, who the fuck is that? It's like, in case you don't know who so-and-so is, he was a British politician in, like, the <laughs> 1970s. <laughs> Something like that. And then Elijah Wood's response to that, he doesn't say anything, he just slowly reaches up and pushes the ticket spike into Jethro's exposed brain, just like calmly and quietly, Jethro just falls over dead. (laughs) And that's it! (laughs) It's so fucking funny.
1: It's amazing. It's so good. This film, it just, it set me up to think that I was watching a, I think you should leave, uh, with Tim Robinson's sketch, where I'm yes. trying to figure out who's the crazy person in the surreal story, and and you realize it's just crazy events, like yeah. and that everything everything is is just happening as you see it, and, and how how well done. And again, that end sequence too. It's all very noir with the car crash yeah. and yeah. like the the city, like the the night lights on the 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 wet pavement. It, it it's great. Like what a what a wonderful film that is just while it, it pays homage to you know pulp fiction and like like david lynch uh it's very much so it's its own thing and uh it it feels modern you know for for everything that it yeah. it, it it pays homage to and i you it, get a great scene
2: at the very end where you know he goes back to the dad and they're sitting on the beach mm-hmm. and uh listen the, 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 the dad s- seems kind of dead yeah <laughs>
1: but uh and him too almost like he's been he's been like knifed yeah. and you know all sorts of things like he's but
2: it's it's kind of a sweet ending they're yeah. they're kind of both at peace in in a way
1: yeah whether they live and or die doesn't matter you
0: know at this point yeah like yeah. they're both just beat to hell and like on death's door but it's like hey at least they did something together they reconnected after yeah
2: it's years, a weirdly you know? emotionally resonant scene for such a goofy movie and it works for me it does
1: yeah yeah, lying next to your dying father, looking up at the well, stars. Well, it's like the
0: entire, the, entire, the entire film is driven by, like, filial duty. Like, the, you know, he goes because he feels like he owes his dad, you know? And then the whole thing with Stephen McCaddy is him being like, yeah, I know you're my dad, but I fucking hate you and I wish that I hadn't come. Like, you're a fucking asshole. And it's like, oh, no, actually, that's not my dad. My dad is this other guy. Who loves me but is also gonna
1: send me off to kill people (laughs) (laughs) but he does love you but
0: it's like but he does (laughs) but he does love you you know so it's like so it's it's somehow more
1: wholesome which is great something that often um like i i love surrealism but what i often uh don't like about uh what i I perceive as bad surrealism is when it's surrealism for the sake of surrealism and here this film as weird as it is it is it is all quite meticulously thought out another uh, a final example of that, too, would be at the very beginning. We have right. Stephen McCaddy say something really awful to Elijah Wood being like, uh, what is it like? Did you fuck your mom or something like that? He says something like awful about that. Like, yeah, yeah, you ever sleep with her or whatever Yeah, you
0: sleep in in bed with your mom.
1: Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, what the fuck? And it, it really makes you like stop in your tracks and be like, who the fuck would say that? And it. It, it, it adds to the fact that it's not actually his dad, but it also foreshadows it not that, only
0: that, but somebody who hates his dad that hates his dad who's but taking
1: it out on his on his on his side. But yeah. it also foreshadows someone who's part of the same collective of people who fucked his prostitute mom. Right. Like, like that's something that that guy would say because he probably had feelings for her or something weird and he's getting weird, jealous about it. And it's not actually his son. So like, it's something that character would say. They don't just play it for shock. Like it's part of the plot. Oh and you well, think another it's surreal, another thing that's wild. great
0: is we see that Stephen McCaddy has a tattoo on his neck. We see it after he's died, and it says R.I.P. Ryan. And he at, and Elijah Wood asks his real dad, like, "What's with that?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, that was his son. He slid his wrists in the bathtub." And there's a scene earlier oh, in yeah. the movie where they're having dinner, where Elijah Wood gives like. A very obviously like attention seeking sob story about how the reason he doesn't drink anymore is because one night he got drunk and tried to slit his wrists in the bathtub mm-hmm. but he's like and he points at the scars and they're like very like not actual they're kind of like off center and like tiny scars he's like he's like but I'm still here and then like to reveal that <laughs> Stephen McHaddy's son actually killed himself by slitting his wrists in the bathtub yeah. like that explained- no wonder he hates Hates yeah, him
1: so much. exactly. Yeah, that that's it this, this movie rules. Cool.
0: All right. Well, I'll start this one. Um, yeah, this movie rules. I liked it. Um, I liked it a lot. It was very, very fun. Um, well written, clever. Uh, Takes some really interesting twists and turns. Good performances across the board. Very strong four
2: out of five from me. Same, 4 out of 5 for me. I think this movie is a prime example of pulling the rug out from under you to reveal a
1: hidden bunker. Yes. <laughs> well so sad. This is an interesting thing about writing. This movie, I have no complaints about it. I have none. I, I can't I can't find any fault in this film. Everything it does, I loved did I feel like it was made for me? No. I I think like it it's just great in what it tries to do. And so I'm I'm debating like why not give it a five is my bit. Like, and I wanna ask you guys too. Like what what made y'all decide to not give it a five?
0: See, for me, I try to reserve five star ratings for things that I not only don't have a problem with, but also exceed that have something extra. Like I agree with you. I don't really have any complaints about this movie. I don't have any gripes, but it's missing. It's still missing that something like extra special to put it into like a truly perfect film rating. I don't have any problems with it, but it's just not. It's just not, like, the highest it could it
2: could be. Yeah, for think. me, I almost wanted it to go further. I wanted it to push it a little further, and get fair. more violent, get more crazy, because it does so much right that it left maybe, me wanting a little and bit
0: And maybe that would have been the extra that would have put it over for mm-hmm. me. Or that's the
2: possible.
1: extra. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's tricky for me to say because I think, I, I wonder, too, like, if this film had a limited budget, it used it perfectly. Like I don't, I don't know what what this film could have done, like or if if this film could have done more, which I I do I do agree. Like I think this movie could have like had something really wild in it, you know, at the end, uh, that could have been explained did realistically. I, did I need it? No. no. Did you? Could you, it have been enhanced by it? Sure. But did this movie have the budget for it? And I don't think it did. And so like that that's yeah, where I wonder that. Anyway, I'm going to give it a really strong four point five. Like I, I just if if it is that if it's that good, like. Fuck it. I'm I'm willing to almost just give it a 5 because it's like from my perspective it's pretty perfect. Could it have gone farther? Yes, but did it need to? No. So is that a fault? No. So yeah, fuck it. No, I'll give it a 5. Where would this rank in your
2: top 5 of 2020?
0: Hang on because I I was I was going to talk about that. Let's uh I'll just say that that will give come to daddy an average of 4.3 out of 5 pods. But Yes, as an extension of Ben's question, this is something I have for both of you. Did watching these three films change your rankings of top and bottom at all?
1: My, my problem is I can't remember what I, what my ranking was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't for me.
2: I think all of these are squarely in the middle yeah. for
1: me, and largely because like *Come to Daddy* too was was yeah. already in your ranking. Um, uh, to be fair, I'd have to look back at it. And wonder, um, I'm already a little drunk, uh, uh, and and just trying to remember what my picks were to begin with. Um, uh, and uh, but I will say, uh, as a conversational point, that this movie might still go under a film or two that I I didn't give a five, and again, largely because it maybe just as a personal preference. But I still feel like this movie was pretty fucking perfect. It might even be better than some of the movies I would rank higher. Than it, and if if that's hypocritical or nonsensical to you guys, I don't give a shit. Fuck you. Uh, That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, who gives a shit anyway? And I I doubt you do. And if you do, like, get a fucking life. Who gives a shit about my fucking (laughs) reviews and ratings? Like, whatever, man.
0: Presumably, the people who listen to this show. Well, I mean, I hope you like. (laughs) Well, well,
1: what I I would hope, uh, dear listener, is is that you're you're more along for the personality part of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like enjoy. Um, Like, I I hope people like listen to my ratings and want to talk about it, but other. I don't like give that much of a shit. Like Jesus Christ, I'm just a guy.
0: Well, for for myself, my top my top five did not change at all. Initially, after we first watched it, The Wolf of Snow Hollow did uh, replace Sputnik. Oh, as when it my, comes to worsts, yeah, same. Actually, as my, my bottom in my bottom five, Wolf of Snow Hollow replaced Sputnik as number five. However. Ooh. After last week's episode on the Pale Door, the Pale Door rocketed to my number one worst film of oh, 2020. Jesus. Which then knocked uh Wolf of Snow Hollow into sixth place and
1: Sputnik up into seventh. Ben, I'm slapping so, your <laughs> knee. We you we gotta show you pale door at some point. Uh, maybe do we? I do. I'd I'd love for you to see show Pale you Door. That? I don't need to
0: see that movie again. Oh man, okay, like as maybe I said on can... the
1: podcast, I'm not sure if you've listened to that episode yet, but uh uh, as I said on the podcast, I'd watch that movie again. I, know I would. I would be happy to watch that movie again. I loved that movie. It absolutely belongs there on your list, Tease. Uh, and you, you're totally Cleveland, right. Cleveland almost gave it a four out of five, and I, I, talked, and I talked him down yeah, to a yeah, three I, I, and a I, half. Was, it was just that we'd just watch it, and I was a little too hype. Uh, and I'm very glad you did, like, with, with uh, a few days three of and hindsight. still is extremely generous but, for nah, that movie. But, no, that, that is fine. That's fine where uh, it is. Uh, that, movie, okay. dude, that movie ruled. Uh, uh it's it's it sucks, but I love it. Like uh, no, that that movie is like such a an and again very specific for me. Like a thanks, I hate it. Talk like,
0: about it not on this episode of the podcast. That was our last yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've uh, already to
1: wrap this up. Our listeners have heard um, before.
0: But uh, yeah, so ultimately, thanks to the pale door. Uh, none of these movies uh changed my rating. Everything fell in the middle, <laughs> uh, which feels about right.
1: I, uh, I definitely liked Wolf of Snow Hollow uh less than uh the 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 Witcher Door or whatever. Like uh The, Pale th- door, yeah, the Witcher that, Door. Uh, the uh, Yeah, no. Uh, Wolf of Snow Tried Hollow. Tried to give it a 4 and yeah. don't even remember it, what it's like called. <laughs> the the Pale Door uh, uh and I, I say by it. Uh the, the the Pale Door uh was was uh, entertainingly bad. Uh at least for me. Uh by miles. Whereas the that it was, but it was a worse
0: film than The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Uh, yeah, when it comes to
1: the like skill yeah, level. For sure. Yes. But, Competence level, yeah. But when it comes to entertainment, oh man, no. Pale Door the- was great.
0: Anyway... <laughs> That will bring us to the end of this
2: week's episode. Ben, what do we have in store next week? Sure. So uh, we're continuing the rotation of picks, and it's actually my pick next week. And so we're going to cover a little movie called The People Under the Stairs, the late-period West Craven classic, um, cult classic, in fact. I think it's incredibly timely in that uh, Jordan Peter—oh, my God, Jordan Peele— Uh, Jordan Peele is uh, in talks to produce a remake of it. Oh, interesting. Um, I think it is very much in his wheelhouse, same as Candyman, and you'll understand why, but it's also incredibly fun. I... Adore this movie and I'm so excited to show it to you guys. I don't think either one of you have seen it. No, nope. nope. oh man. Did
1: Wes Craven, Craven do The Crow? He
2: did the Scream movies, he did The Hills Have Eyes, he did, he Nightmare did on Elm Street, okay. yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. He did Uh, Last House on the Left, the original
0: Last House on yeah. the Left, yep.
2: Um, cool, sweet. Well, yeah,
0: I'm excited for that. I'm just going to this has gone long already so I'm just going to wrap this
1: up real quick. This episode uh, was brought to you by the thing that's in Hotel the Ticket thing that with the spike on it.
0: Yep, that one. <laughs> uh if you like the show Hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe you know you if wanna. you're if you're not subscribed. That's a thing that people say on podcasts that I always forget about. Uh, leave us a nice review. Follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at letterbox.com slash PodPeoplePod. And tell your friends. And if you tell like your the show. friends, yes, uh, all of that good stuff. I'm on Twitter at SomeSpookySnake. Yeah, we're on Twitter at Mr.
2: Sheets,
1: and I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios. We further progress on its stairs back tower call coming very, very, very soon. Impending. We are just putting the last little tiny touches on it to to give it that little little bit of zhuzh. And you can also find my work on ArtStation if you search Cleveland Mosier. And uh, yeah, stay tuned with uh, stuff with Dread XP as well as we're uh, putting out some cool games over there too.
0: All right. Well, thank you for listening. Next week join us under the stairs. Bye-bye. Bye.